What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome everybody to the Cash Geeks Network show. Guys, I'm Dom. And I'm G. And guys, this is the, the Cash, Cash Geeks, Geeks Network. Network. And tonight we have an extra special guest that's going to be on here with us who is an expert, in my opinion, an mm. expert in the short-term uh, rental portion of our market. Portion. Portion. <laughs> uh, bring them on in, guys. We have Andrew Pukshavinsky, Andrew P., with Joseph Ellen Properties. Andrew, what's up, my man? What's up, guys? I'm looking forward to chatting. Thanks for having me on. Oh, dude, we've been waiting for this because we're very excited about the short-term rental industry. And then with the short chat that we had with you right before the mm -hmm. show, the last 10 minutes or so, um, we're realizing that some of the things that we didn't anticipate you're very, very experienced with, which is really cool in our eyes. And what's yeah, also cool is, you know, we have a lot of different types of people on the show. We have wholesaler, uh, people that are experts in wholesaling, <clears throat> uh, the retail side of real estate, flipping, investing, private lending, all types of stuff. Um, and we've had people that had some experience in this area, but this is a little bit of a different take on the short-term rental because you are apparently an all-encompassing service that wants to take care of all of the challenges and issues that investors might have with short-term rentals. And uh, it sounds like to me, especially with initiating and starting up their short-term rental, is that safe to say? Yeah, absolutely, man. We um, So whenever I was kind of building the business out with Melody, um, we wanted to bring as much value as possible. Um, and kind of the only way to do that is be a one-stop shop. So we have you know agents on our team so we can help with acquisitions. Um, we have an arm of our business called Joseph Ellen Designs, where we do the furnishing, the setup, kind of the whole nine yards with getting the property ready. Um, and we also have in-house maintenance teams, so we can do rehabs, you know, kind of set up in that way. And then obviously the management on the back end. So as much value as possible. Wow. Wow. So let me, let me just ask this question. If someone is really, really interested in getting into the short-term rental industry, um, where, where do they start? What do they do first? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I like having that first conversation. We we work with a lot of agents. Um, I would recommend reaching out to an agent, just kind of get an idea of your market. Um, one thing I kind of commit myself to is, you know, just bringing value to anyone who has questions. So I underwrite a ton of properties for people, answer a ton of questions. Um, but as far as just a first step, I mean, you can always hop on Airbnb and just kind of get an idea of the market you know, some of the neighborhoods, if you find a location in Jacksonville, you kind of want to stick to and you find your niche in, you know, that's obviously the first step. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I want to ask this because it's such a hot topic right now, mm -hmm. right? Um, short-term rental. So what do you think makes short-term rentals so hot? You know, I think it's, um, it's convenience. You know, whenever you think about giving someone a really good experience or hospitality and even the way, you know, things are changing, such as travel and how people want to stay in homes, um, you know, obviously hotels are always going to be here. Um, but I think it's such a hot topic because people demand it. You know, they want to go on vacation. They want a kitchen. They want an entire home. They want to bring their pets and they want to have a backyard. So it's kind of what the, the market's demanding. And a lot mm. of people are kind of building cool businesses around it. Right. So someone from your point of view, because when we were talking earlier, you had regular rentals, right? Rentals with long term mm -hmm. tenants. Um, and now your portfolio consists of short term rentals. Right. Um, so what made you do that switch? 
Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny you had mentioned that. So whenever Melody and myself were mapping out what we wanted the company to look like, um, we've been building Joseph Ellen properties for the past two years. Like you said, we had long-term rentals in the past. Um, and the $200 <clears throat> per door, which you typically see, you know, kind of that, that small amount of cash flow, it just didn't get us up in the morning. Um, mm -hmm. So we converted those properties to, to short-term rentals. Um, and yeah, it's, it's more work. Um, but you also get higher cash flow and there's some other benefits to that. And then we loved, you know, the systems and processes. So it was kind of a, a perfect marriage for us to where we could convert from long-term rentals into short-term rentals and take advantage of that high cash flow. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. So do you have any long-term rentals anymore? No, we don't have any. So I guess to take a step back, how our, our whole story kind of started, we bought our first duplex in 2019. Um, okay. This was before COVID. And then we fixed it up. We house hacked it. We sold it. And then we leveraged that money to buy five properties here in Jacksonville. And we converted them to short-term rentals. So we don't have anything that's long-term anymore. Nice. Um, now, obviously, over time, we might get some bigger multifamily properties um, to where we can kind of diversify a little bit. Yep. But right now, we're pretty bullish on, on everything in the short-term rental space. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're currently managing 40 doors and you have another 20 to 25 on the books to come um where are for, for people that don't know exactly everything that you do mm -hmm. where are those 20 to 25 properties like what stages are they in um that kind of will sh tell our viewers um everything that you guys do yeah really good question um so we have about 20 under contract um, and then we're going to be diving some more into the multifamily space over the course of the year. Um, but they're in all different stages. So we have we have owners reach out to us from you know California, New York. They're wanting to reallocate their money here in Jacksonville. We help them with the acquisition. We help them you know kind of rehab the property. And then we can also help them furnish the property as well. So they're anywhere from you know someone who's just moving and they're waiting to move out of their home and they're going to convert it into a short-term rental and it's just a waiting game right now. We have mm -hmm. several um, rehabs to where we're just managing the project right now. And then we will, you know, furnish anywhere from three to five homes per month. So they're in, they're in various stages. Um, we get all types of people. So we get, we get investors, we get military who they have to move, you know, on orders. So they want to convert their home into a short-term rental. It's a, it's a oh, pretty even mix of clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. That's yeah. awesome. That's what's interesting too, because when I first think, and my perspective has changed a little bit now, but when I first think of short-term rentals and Airbnb, I think of single family homes, mm -hmm. right? And I'm starting to learn a little bit more, especially with the people that are more advanced with the short-term rentals, is that you can also do it with different types of multifamily. Is that right? Can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's pretty exciting because you can do you know some of this stuff at scale if you control like a, a multifamily asset. So we were kind of chatting about this previously, but we just got done with a an eight unit in Springfield where it's kind of a, a boutique motel type type style. Um, we're doing another 12 unit in, in Springfield as well. We're gonna be doing a, a 20 unit in Daytona Beach, um, and then another big multifamily property in, in San Marcos. So we can, I mean, we can kind of go about it a couple of different ways. So we have owners that reach out to us um, and they want a way to not be in the hospitality business, but they want to sign lease. They want high occupancy. Um, and we've kind of built the team out to where we can take that over for them and lease the entire property and kind of operate the asset as ourselves. Um, or we can just 
you know, manage the property for them and make sure that it has high occupancy and performs. Right. Yeah. That That's interesting, man, because you guys are kind of figuring out how to create a turnkey product for your investors, but also to um, make it a little bit even more passive for them where you just rent out the whole building from them. Yep. And then you guys make the cherry on top. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're essentially making the, the spread. So it's, you hear the term um, rental arbitrage. So it's not your traditional rental arbitrage. So we're not kind of going into a hundred unit building and renting a couple units out. We want to look for, you know, assets we can control from start to finish. So like that eight unit, for example, that I was just speaking about, we managed the entire rehab. We got it done in two weeks. Um, and now we basically turned over every single unit. Um, so we're, we're typically looking for things where I can control the entire asset from start to finish because we know we're going to do it the right way. And it also takes right. a big burden off of the actual owner because they don't have to worry about working with a long-term property manager. They don't have to worry about leases, you know, filling the units, you know, worrying about what type of people they're going to actually get into their property. We handle the entire thing for them. Gotcha. So I have a question. I'm not sure if you, if you have an answer for this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Yeah. Um, is there a certain number of units in the multi-unit where it gets a little bit weird to Airbnb it out? It's a little bit too big, or is there even a rule like that or anything that you've heard of like that that comes into play? Yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> you know, I don't think that we would personally take on anything over 20 units just because logistically, you know, it kind of becomes a nightmare after that point. Mm -hmm. um, and it's easier for us to have control over the entire asset if it's kind of a smaller size. So whenever I think of, you know, boutique motels or kind of boutique, you know, B&B properties, like perfect situation is six to 12 units. Um, cause it's not, it's not overwhelming. You don't have to hire extra staff to kind of operate the property. It's easy for us to kind of control the entire ecosystem with a size. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I gotcha. Now, well, just one more thing inside of that multi-unit part. So when you get some of these multi-units that you, uh, infuse into the Airbnb industry. Do you get to the point in a, you might've answered this before, but do you get to the mm -hmm. point where you're trying to transition it into short-term rentals? So you have a hybrid of part of it is short-term rentals and part of it is long-term tenants. Yeah, we, um, we actually just had that on the last property. So, you know, there might be situations where we're doing a rehab from the ground up and there's obviously going to be no long-term tenants. The the eight unit that I was kind of referring to, we had to kind of work the long-term tenants out. So for a period of time, there was, you know, anywhere from three, four to five tenants. And then we would just turn the units as their leases come up. Gotcha. How do, how do the long-term tenants feel? Do they tend to be uncomfortable with different families in and out of the other units? Or is it just seamless or... Uh, that's a really good question. So I think it comes down to setting expectations. So mm -hmm. even whenever we came onto that property and we were considering this, when we did the first walkthrough, you know, we had conversations with the tenants. Um, and I think if you're very clear about what's going to happen with the property, you know, at the end of the day, it's the owner's decision, but we want to be as respectful as possible to them and make sure, you know, even if they're a long-term tenant, they have a good experience until they leave. Um, so it's just being upfront with them. You know, we told them what's going to happen with the property. Um, and even for the tenants that, you know, are still in that property, like, for example, we have one tenant that's going to be there until March, you know, we're improving the property, we redid the landscaping, we updated her unit. So, you know, there's not a ton to kind of complain about for her or be uncomfortable with because we're giving her a better living situation while we're, you know, kind of updating the property. 
Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Setting expectations, just wide open line of communication. Yep. That's uh that's like the main thing in, in all scenarios, in all challenges, just yeah. wide open communication for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So on the lines of setting expectations, what um what are your fees? Like for somebody who reaches out to you, like um what, what can someone kind of expect um to pay for you to manage their the Airbnb, for you to help with the project management, for you mm-hmm. to help with the furnishing. Um, do you kind of have like a price point or, or a price range in mind for those things? And do you yep. give a discount if they pay all cash? Mm. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. So we, as far as our property management fee, we do 18% of the gross revenue. We're okay. very upfront about, you know, all of our fees. Um, and that's full service. And obviously, you know, that 18%, it's more than your, your long-term property manager, but it's a completely different ball game. It's a lot more work. It's a lot more hands-on. Um, and since we are, you know, we're a small by design company. So Melody and myself, we're very hands-on. We're at the properties. We have a small team that we work with. Um, however, if there's issues, we're the people bringing the guests, you know, a bottle of wine to kind of resolve the issue. You know, we're the oh, ones cool. buying them dinner if they have a bad experience. Um, so we kind of stay small by design. We're very hands-on, but we do 18% of the gross revenue. Um, and as far as like a project management fee, it depends. I mean, we've, we've done rehabs, which are a ton of work and we'll do like a, a $1,500, you know, project management fee. Um, but typically our onboarding is just $250. Um, and that just pays for our professional photos and basically our time to create all the listings. Um, and then the design and furnishing, it depends as well. You know, we typically have some big projects. We'll have some small projects that are a little easier, um, but that can range anywhere from, you know, our design fee being $1,500 to $2,000, depending on how how much work it's going to be. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So if someone wants to look at the properties that you're managing, how do they find something like that? So if they want to look at, you know, the photos that you take, the designs Mm -hmm. that you've done in those properties, can you go to Airbnb and search your company or how does that work? Yeah. So, so typically if we have a, if we have a new client coming to us and they're wanting to kind of see what our portfolio looks like, we can send them over our list on Airbnb. We have quite a few properties on VRBO as well. Um, and then we actually just built out a, a direct booking website onto our actual website, which we're getting properties loaded onto. Um, so in the next 30 or so days, everything we have in our portfolio will be actually on our website for, for our clients and potential partners to look at. Um, but as far as like design, we have portfolios for that as well. So if someone's curious about something, we can send them the last 10 to 15 projects we did. Um, just so oh, they nice. can get an idea of the style and, and kind of how long it takes us to furnish a property. So did you say the website is not ready yet or some of it is ready and you're waiting on some properties to come on? Yeah, so we have about probably a quarter of our properties on our direct booking website right now. Um, we just finished completion of it. Gosh, it was probably within the last week or so. And then the holidays hit. So we're just waiting to get the rest of our properties uploaded onto the website. That's awesome. That's yep. awesome. What, what is that website? Uh, it's josephellenproperties.com. Awesome. Yeah, it's a work in progress. Anything... Um, Anything website design is usually quite a process, as you guys probably know, Um, and especially finding, you know, what fits your style. And especially with anything that's, you know, direct booking or vacation rentals, you have to do some extra build out sites. So, yeah, it's been an exciting process and a a long time coming. Got to set up the payment, the payment gateway and all that. Absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah, it's involved. 
I was curious about another thing. You mentioned the boutique motel. Was that the eight unit in Springfield? Yeah, I guess that's the uh, that's the the popular term for it. Okay, okay, mm -hmm. sounds fancy. I'm very interested. So, why are you referring to it as a boutique motel? Uh, motel, motel. <laughs> yeah, I think that's um, you know that's just the the term for it. I guess your your typical motel that you think of. You know, it's going to be anywhere from 20 to 30 units. Um, so those smaller, you know, six to 12 units, we kind of refer to them to the uh, the boutique motels. I gotcha. I gotcha. So it might not be like a typical eight unit multifamily. It's just a, a motel conversion that you're using for Airbnb. Yeah. I mean, technically, I mean, anything that's kind of ranch style that has that motel look, that's mm -hmm. what we kind of refer to it as the the boutique motel. Um, but you could do anything in the multifamily space. I mean, even if you have, you know, four units, six units, and it's not necessarily in that ranch style, like a traditional motel, um, you know, those still work great for, for short-term rentals. A lot of people have success in the multifamily space for sure. Right, right. Yeah, I guess the, the ranch style ones, they're just, they just look like a hotel or a motel already. So it's it just, just has that aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. it's just mm -hmm. easy on the people looking, oh, this, this is familiar this yeah familiar yeah spot. absolutely yeah yeah that makes sense so um what what would you say because there's there's you know kind of like uh we just got into the airbnb game right yep. and <clears throat> you know most of our properties aren't really vacation style homes right um we don't have anything out on the beach or on the river or anything like that um you know most of our properties are worth 300,000 and under. Yep. Right. Um, so for those kind of properties versus the vacation style, you know, beach Airbnb close to mm -hmm. the water, um, or, or stuff like that, you know, maybe there's, um, <clears throat> not really here in Florida, but I don't know if you have any experience in like, you know, you mentioned some stuff in Daytona. Yep. I don't know if that's kind of like, on the beach in Daytona, right? Um, so how do those things differ. kind of differ? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I love the properties at Jacksonville Beach that will gross you seven to $8,000 a month. Um, however, you know, our niche and what we're pretty bullish on is, you know, the properties in, in Riverside, Lakeshore, kind of down by the Naval Base. Um, you know, we kind of chat about this previously, but the properties <clears throat> that you can pick up for, for 200, 250, 300,000, and then gross $3,500 or $4,000 a month, your margins are really healthy with those properties. Um, and it's a lot less to get into. So if you have someone just starting out, they're looking to buy a property or two properties. I mean, I would definitely recommend starting in some of those neighborhoods. You can get a property for $200,000 um, and it grows you know, pretty healthy for you every single month. And it's a lot less money to, to furnish than a four to five bedroom house at the beach. Um, so we're actually pretty bullish on, you know, those neighborhoods and also that price point. Another reason for that is, you know, whenever you get properties at the beach and you start to get towards a, a higher price point, you're going to do well every single month, but that's more tailored to vacationers. So with the properties, you know, in some of the neighborhoods that I had mentioned, you know, some of the, the 200,000 or 300,000 properties, you're getting people from military bases staying, you're getting traveling nurses, you're getting people coming down for the weekend. Um, and we get a lot of people who are building homes in Jacksonville or moving to Jacksonville and they need somewhere to stay for a month or two, um, mm. or people who are kind of in the corporate space and they need somewhere to stay for a month or two. 
you know, they're they're more likely to afford a property like that than they are a property at the beach that's $500 a night. So right. it's a lot less risk because you have a lot, you have a lot uh, different types of clientele going to those properties. Yeah, gotcha. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a quick sec and recognize some people that are watching and commenting. We have a couple of our team members, Bert and Will. What's hey. up, guys? Alex Jenkins. Uh, how you doing, buddy? And then Glenn, a good friend of ours, uh, posed a question and, and wanted to ask who got you into the business. Is he asking us or him? Because Glenn is the one who got us into the business. That's true. Yeah, we bought our first Airbnb off of Glenn. Actually. So he oh, really? Nice. Us. Yeah. So we'll, we'll transfer the question to you. Who, who got you into the business? Yeah, that's a really good question. So we, um, so like I mentioned, we started with long-term rentals and how we actually got into this space is we were vacationing in Florida and we stayed at a vacation rental on the beach by one of the bigger management companies. Um, we didn't have the best experience and, you know, just being in corporate America, you know, working at big businesses before we kind of thought to ourselves, you know, we can offer a better service than this. Um, so I think that's why we've we've kind of been successful. A lot of times with small businesses, you kind of see, you know, like a technician who's really good at a skill starting a business. But we started the business first, built the systems and processes first. So that's kind of helped us scale. So we I guess you could say we kind of organically got into the business just from experiences we had at other vacation rentals. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And how did you learn everything that you had to do? Uh, to get Airbnbs up and running um, or short-term rentals, you know, posting them on Airbnb, figuring out the pricing, you know, how, how do you become a, what's it called? A super host. Yeah. All, you know, all this lingo and stuff. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, a lot of it was, was self-educating. Um, the number one tip that I can kind of give to anyone in this space is get a mentor. You know, I got a mentor whenever I was getting into the space, you know, I was having conversations with people who, you know, had success in this space as well. Um, and they helped me, you know, kind of get past some of the errors that they had whenever they were starting to scale their business. Um, and it made it easy for us because we, we pre-built the systems and processes around, you know, stuff they've already experienced. So, get a mentor. I mean, that's, that's what's helped us scale so quickly, you know, kind of given us that knowledge from the, the very beginning. You know, right. mentors, relationships, networking mm -hmm. is absolutely priceless in all aspects of real estate. And mm -hmm. then, uh, I, I think at least to us, short-term rentals is still fresh, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some hitters doing it a little bit heavy out there, right? But for most people just getting into the space, it's, <clears> it's pretty new. It's uncharted territory. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to learn. It's really, really attractive, especially from a financial standpoint, but there certainly are a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. My hat goes off to you for for what you've began to do, and sounds like you're having some really good uh, momentum. And I mean, you're gonna, dude, you're gonna go from forty to sixty in like the snap of fingers, and all the projects that you have going on, the multifamily, like that's really, really uh, um, exciting. Really Thank exciting. you. Yeah, we're um, you know, we're just getting started. We're we're pretty young as a company, um, and we kind of realize as well. But we give we give a good service, and I think we've done well so far. So I'm I'm excited to see what happens for you know the remainder of the year. We're still mm -hmm. learning every single day. I'm still having conversations with my mentor. You know, we're still trying to offer a, a better service to all of our clients that come. So some exciting things down the road for sure. What do you think 
are the main one or two things that you do over most of our other uh, short-term rental management companies? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I'd say the quality. It's um, it's difficult to become a super host and be a VRBO premier partner. Um, it's pretty challenging to do it with 40 plus listings as well. Mm. So, you know, that's why we're, we're small by design. You know, that's why, you know, Melody and myself, go solve issues in person. And I think that's what, what separates us. Cause we're, we're still boots on the ground, even though that we own the company and we've kind of gotten to this size, you know, it's what, it's what we enjoy and it's kind of what has, has made us special. Um, and we also have good relationships, you know, with our owners and, you know, not only being kind of boots on the ground, even though we own the company, but being full service, you know, it's a huge value add that we can help with acquisitions, rehabs, furnishing, and then also the, the <clears throat> management on the back end. So, you know, that's something we're proud of being able to kind of bring value to our, our partners and clients in a multitude of ways. Gotcha. Um, how many, just curious, do you have small amount of clients with a lot of properties or um, a large amount of clients with individual properties? Yeah, it's um, us. Typically, it's we have a lot of clients with one or two properties. Okay. Um, and I think... And I think the why it's kind of gotten that way is because what I was kind of mentioning previously, we we kind of built the business out first. Um, so we did really you know good organically, having clients coming our ways. Um, we've obviously made some really great relationships, which you know we're going to do wonderful things for our business down the road. Um, but as far as building the website out, I mean, we have a ton of online leads. We put out a ton of organic content. We haven't had to pay for a ton of our clients. Um, right. as far as ads or, or anything of that nature. Um, so yeah, we have, we have a ton of clients. A lot of them have one or two properties since we've been starting more with the acquisition side, we have an incredible agent that we partner with. His name's actually Alan Williams. He does, you know, all of our acquisitions for, for all of our clients. Um, and they're just buying more. I mean, they're kind of on the short-term rental fad as well. The properties are performing for them. So sweet. hopefully it's going to be a big 2022. Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. You, you talked a lot about systems and processes and building the team out. Can you talk a little bit about the details of the types of systems and processes that you put into place that I'm not going to say makes it easy, but makes it systemic and doable so that you can take care of your clients and the tenants the way that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it it starts with our our team and training and kind of vetting people. I think one thing that kind of sets us apart is, you know, we found we're pretty good with people. So the individuals that we've brought onto our team, even our, our cleaning teams that we rotate through, we've kind of trained them to be little property managers. Um, so it's a huge value add to us, um, you know, them taking accountability, them loving what they do every single day. We paying them extremely well. You know, that's how we've been able to kind of maintain a, a high status whenever it comes to customer support and guest support and making sure people have a good experience. Um, so training the people, we have a ton of processes with that, but outside of that, I mean, you know, just the technology we have, you know, that's why technology is in businesses. We rely on that a lot. We don't price our properties ourselves. You know, they have technology for pretty much anything in the vacation rental space. So we absolutely take advantage to it, advantage of it. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it sounds like, being service oriented, very, very like having that servant mentality is mm -hmm. super important. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially right. in, in this type of industry. I mean, you've got to do better than the hotels are doing. 
I mean, if yeah, you it's, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's hospitality and, you know, our reviews and kind of our, our brand and our images, our lifeblood, you know, if we have terrible reviews, the properties don't perform, we don't grow and scale to where we are and we don't make payroll. Um, so, you know, that's something that Melody and myself really focus on is giving people a good experience, solving issues. If you have them, they're going to happen in properties. Um, but we're the first ones to the properties to make sure people have, have a good experience. I think that's, you got to put that first and, and understand these people are vacationing. They spend a lot of money for these properties to stay in them. So we want to make sure they have a good experience. Right. So mm -hmm. let me ask you this, because I feel like this will really add a lot of value to um, the people watching. And it would help me out a lot also like how do you because i feel like a lot of people want to get into the airbnb space but when you buy a, a long-term rental it's very easy to do rental comps and figure out mm -hmm. what the market rent is for your house right so you have an idea hey if i buy this house i know that market rent is going to be around you know 1300 to 1350 yep. right not a big range doesn't fluctuate it's just that's, you know, what I know I'm going to get. That's market rent, whatever. How does somebody analyze an Airbnb, right? How do you know, hey, in this property, in this area, I'm probably going to be getting around X amount of dollars a night. Like, how do you evaluate that for somebody to figure out what their monthly revenue is going to be? Because I feel like that's how people justify buying rentals is based on the mm -hmm. rental rate. So with Airbnbs, how does somebody figure out okay how how should i buy this property what should be my max based on my expenses and and estimated expenses and mm -hmm. revenue? do you kind of have an idea on that yeah absolutely um and i love this topic because i have probably five conversations a day with agents helping them underwrite properties um <clears throat> but i think it's it's kind of similar to whenever you're comping out a rental um and kind of looking in different neighborhoods so I think if you look in that market enough, you can kind of know what neighborhoods are going to produce what, you know, once you kind of be in the space long enough, but some simple ways to do it. I mean, you know, there's a ton of data grabbing sites like AirDNA, Mash Pfizer. Um, I would definitely use those with a grain of salt, um, kind of use them as a foundation whenever you're underwriting properties. So if someone were to send me an address right now, um, we've kind of been doing this long enough to have a really good, you know, footprint on, on the neighborhoods. But we would look at AirDNA, we would kind of see what it says. And then the best second way to kind of underwrite a property is there's a million calculators. So if someone reaches out to me, I can send them the calculator we use. Um, but just looking at the competition. So if I have a property in Riverside, I can pull up AirDNA and kind of use that as a foundation for my numbers. And then I would probably pull the, the second um, or the closest five properties, you know, close to that address in the neighborhood and kind of see what their nightly rates are, kind of see what their furnishing look like. And then you can, you know, kind of base your comps off of that and plug that stuff into your calculator and have a really good idea of what that property is going to gross every single month. Oh, gotcha. Cool. So how do mm -hmm. you know how many nights to budget for that it will be rented out? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, so our average occupancy in 2021 was 84%. Um, but obviously Jacksonville goes in seasons, just like any other market. You know, typically our slow season is, you know, August to November. People are kind of back to school. They stop vacationing as much. The summers are crazy here in Jacksonville. So, you know, you're going to get closer to 85, 90% occupancy. But I think a lot of it is just, you know, consuming as much information as possible. 
I mean, you can take a look into VRBO or Airbnb, you know, pull up properties and kind of look at their occupancy by what their calendars look like. So, mm-hmm. you know, outside of, you know, some of the the data sites like AirDNA and MashVisor, just do it the old fashioned way and kind of right. do the enemy method and see what the competition's doing. Right, right, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's gotcha. super helpful. So on average, yeah. so that is good to know though, on <clears throat> average, 84%, right? So if somebody wanted to, say 80 percent occupancy would be a de- could be a decent rule of thumb mm-hmm. to, yeah. to budget or or what yeah you- yeah i think that would be, be <clears throat> fair it typically if like if you're getting into 90 95 occupancy you probably have the property priced a little bit too competitively um right. and then if you're anywhere from 60 to 70 percent occupancy you know maybe your price is a little high so it takes a little tinkering Um, But it kind of circles back to, you know, rely on technology, you know, use some of these websites, use, you know, some of the million calculators that they have. Um, You know, for example, I would recommend using a pricing tool, you know, whether you have one property or 10 properties, because you're going to get the most revenue, you know, from the algorithm that it kind of spits out. And then the pricing tools now, I mean, they have competitor sets in them. So they'll be able to pull, you know, the closest short term rentals in the neighborhood to your property. So take advantage of data. You know, that's a big thing in every single business. And, you know, that's Mm -hmm. how you can be competitive is kind of crunching that data. It's it all comes down to numbers at the end of the day. So let me let me ask you this, because at the end of the day, for the investors in this Mm -hmm. business, it's, you know, how can they make the the best bangs for their buck? Right. How can Mm -hmm. they uh, get the best return? Do you ever see scenarios as to where Getting a high occupancy rate, like you said, you know, 90, 95%, you might have it priced too competitively. Mm -hmm. But do you ever see scenarios where you can get 50 to 55% occupancy and make more money than you can if you got like an 85 or 90% occupancy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, price it. Like, how how does that strategy work if it even, even is a strategy? Yeah, that could, that could definitely work. I mean, if you're going to be, you know, super aggressive on pricing, um, you're obviously going to have a little bit more of a, I guess, a lower occupancy rate, but you might have more revenue on a given month. It kind of just depends on what you're looking for as an investor. It's the same thing if you're buying a long-term rental. We, um, we have clients come to us and it's a vacation home and they simply just want their mortgage covered. And then we have other clients that come to us and they want to maximize cash flow as much as possible. So it's really just what you're trying to look at the property. Um, and then you can kind of pivot you know, your approach to, to your goals. Right. Sweet. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So as far as back to the analyzing deals and stuff like that, because I feel like that's what will make because I was the same way, right? I was like when we were analyzing the properties to buy, mm-hmm. I could not make a buying decision without calling my um Airbnb buddies. Right. Yep. I call this guy, hey, do you have any houses around there? Like what how are they performing? Like, mm-hmm. should I buy this for two hundred grand? You know, like would you buy it for 200 grand? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it was just hard to kind of analyze that and figure out how much am I going to net, right? Yeah. So if I can figure out with AirDNA and, you know, a decent occupancy rate of about 80%, right, give or take, what are the additional expenses that come with that? You know, obviously we have the the property management Right. If, mm-hmm. if you want to have somebody manage our, our uh, rentals. Yep. Um, what are some other expenses or other things that you factor in every single month? Obviously, you know, Internet, property taxes, insurance, you know, all that stuff. 
Um, <clears throat> so what are some external things that you wouldn't really calculate for um, on regular rentals that you should um, yeah. not for in these? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously you're going to have your debt, like you had mentioned, your mortgage, unless you buy the property in cash, your utilities is something that you need to factor in. Um, you can get this from the utility company or, you know, if you're in real estate, you have a general idea of what the utilities are going to be. A couple of things that that I would factor in whenever you're underwriting properties is, you know, you're obviously going to have to pay for lawn care. That's anywhere from 100 to 150 dollars a month. Mm. Um, and then you're going to make extra revenue in other in other places. So, you know, we make a lot of revenue from pet fees. We have properties that have beach cruisers and we can rent them out to guests. So those are additional ways that you can oh. make some money. Um, but then also you're also going to have stuff within the property that you're going to have to replace. So you're going to have toilet paper, you're going to have dish soap. Um, so whenever our partners ask us this question, what they can expect on a monthly basis, we might have you know one month where we need to restock on items and we have to buy dish soap, toilet mm. paper, paper towels. You know maybe we need to restock on linens, um, and that could be anywhere from 100 to 150 dollars a month. But we might not go another quarter um, for needing those supplies because we typically mm -hmm. buy it in bulk. And, you know, like I had mentioned, we kind of train our cleaning teams to where there are many property managers. So they have a really good eye on inventory and they know how to stretch that inventory out and, and not waste it. So we don't have to waste that money. Gotcha. Yep. <clears throat> so is there like a good rule of thumb for that? Like a thousand Percentage. bucks in miscellaneous expenses every year or, or something? Yeah, I would say, I would say it's probably close to probably close to a thousand. Um, and like I men mentioned, we might have a month where we restocked where it's a hundred, $150. Um, but we keep track of all that inventory and we're not, you know, putting out 10 sets of linens and, you know, all of the toilet paper and paper towels we have, you know, we have checklists for all of our properties. So we only put X amount out so we can kind of save right. that stuff. Um, so we might not have to restock for, for 90 days. Um, so it really does just depend, you know, kind of on what the inventory is and how fast guests are going through it. But you will have to obviously restock some of the items, um, you know, anything that a guest would need if they were living in the house. You want to have that so they have a good experience. Gotcha. So since you guys are talking about expenses, one of the things that I'm curious about is um, the capital expenditures, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a house that. Um, you know, you fully remodeled the property. It's ready to go. Mm -hmm. You uh, you staged it, Airbnb ready. People are staying there. And there are small fixes that happen along the way, first year, second year, whatever the case may be. But there's going to be, and I don't know if you have a schedule for this or some kind of rule of thumb that you mm -hmm. go by, but there's going to be points in time where the exterior has to be repainted. The interior has to be repainted. And it might be different than how long-term tenancy works. Yeah. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, there is some updates to the property that you can do with guests in there. Um, nine times out of 10, we kind of talked about expectations. If we let the guests know, you know, hey, we're going to be doing some updates on the exterior or, you know, we're going to paint the exterior of the house or maybe mm -hmm. do some landscaping. Um, we just let them know ahead of time. But there's also, you know, always the ability to block off dates and kind of, you know, knock out some of those items. Um, but as far as, um, you know, little updates like changing the air filters and stuff like that, we have all that stuff baked into our property management software. So we just get a notification, either ourselves or our cleaners take care of those actions for us. Um, but also your slow season is a good time to, to make updates to the property. 
So for our partners, I typically tell them like, hey, August is slow. You have people going back to school. It might be a lower occupancy rate. Let's block off a few days and make any updates that we need to for the property. Because once you kind of roll around the summertime, you know, it's going to be jam packed and it's pretty crazy here in Jacksonville. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a really good point. Yeah. 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 What um what what would you say is the biggest hurdle with managing short term rentals? What's like the biggest pain? It's a good question. Um, you know, I think we we felt some pains, some growing pains in the very beginning when we didn't have our systems built out fully. Um, and we thought we did a good job of, of building a lot of the things out, but there's always going to be growing pains whenever you scale. Um, right. So just making sure you have every process that you can think of. If it's something you hate doing, build a process for it and make sure it's repeatable. Train your team members on it so they know how to do it pretty easily. Um, but there's not there's not too many challenges. I mean, we you know we love the business, we love working, you know, we love building out the processes and systems. You know, we understand, you know, us having to take a bottle of wine to a guest because something happened within the house. That's part of the job. Um, So we're willing to do little things like that. Um, And then there's always going to be, I mean, you got to deal with clients every single day and make sure they're happy. They're making big investments. Um, So not only are we dealing with guests in a professional way, we have to, you know, make sure our clients are, are happy as well. But you know, every day is a little bit different. We, before I actually hopped on this conversation, we had a, a water leak at a property here in St. Augustine where the fire alarms went off. So like, it's mm-hmm. always something. Um, but the biggest thing is get really good at problem solving. Like there's going to be something every single day. And especially since people are going to be in the property, you know, all the time, you just have to come up with a quick solution. Things are going to happen. Just find a way to kind of solve the problem. I think it's interesting that you buy uh, items in bulk especially mm-hmm. since you're a management company, you're managing, managing so many properties, you know, it helps with, uh, with pricing and costs. So with the problem solving and, and the wine, are you getting the wine in bulk also? So we don't, um, you know, that's actually a really good idea to where we could probably buy some of that stuff in bulk because, you know, it does happen from, from time to time. So like, for example, the, the property that I was just talking about in St. Augustine, there was a water leak, the fire alarm went off. We're going to actually buy them breakfast. Um, we had one property at the beach within the last few days where there was some work in the neighborhood on the internet. So they didn't have internet for a day. We bought them dinner. Um, so the stuff happens unexpectedly. Um, and then we just eat that cost because it's, it's part of just giving them a good experience, but that is a good idea to kind of keep some of that stuff on hand because it, it does happen. I mean, no matter how turnkey the property is, people are living in it. You're going to have people in every single day, you know, stuff's going to happen just as if it's a a long-term rental. Maybe, maybe keep a, uh, a bottle of wine at each property in a secret compartment. And if Dude, there's a problem, say, yeah. go to room number three put, put a lock under box. the bed. No, that's a good idea. Cabinet. Yeah, that's uh, a big value add. Experience. <laughs> put this code in this cabinet. There's something there for you. It, are the problems always unique? Or is, is there something that comes to mind that's continual like, oh, this happened again at this property? <clears throat> that's a good question. You know, it's, you know, it can be something different every single day. I mean, we've had properties to where we've had plumbing issues and we just got to think quick and get the issue solved for them. We've had, you know, water issues. We've had internet. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's out of our control as well. And we just got to figure out the situation. We had a property in San Marco um, a week ago. That's actually one of our personal vacation rentals and the transformer went out and JEA had to fix the transformer. They didn't have power for a few hours. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. imagine as a guest, that's kind of a crappy experience. So we have to think fast and kind of, you know, solve the situation. So, you know, it's always something new, you know, we just got to figure out a way around it and, you know, kind of put the guests first. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that you guys are as service oriented as you are. I think you guys yeah. are going incredibly far and I think that's why you're doing as well as you're doing now. Yeah. Um, is there um, a hospitality company out there that you are chasing or you model yourselves after like, you know, like a, a Marriott, a, um, you know, the Waldorf Astoria. Is there anyone that you're like, you know what, if we can do what they do or better, then we're going to really go far places. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies that do a really good job with customer service. There's, I mean, there's some great management companies here in Jacksonville, you know, that are bigger than us and that we chase on a daily basis. Um, but I've always kind of had hospitality in my blood. My, my mother and my father both work for the airline. My, my mom and my sister have a travel agency. So it's kind of, you know, what I've known for a long time. And that mixed with my business background. It's, it's made us pretty successful in this business. Um, but there's, I mean, there's a ton of companies that do a good job. I mean, one that kind of pops to my head is, is Chick-fil-A. I mean, you always have an incredible experience whenever you go there. They're so polite. They put people first. And that's why, you know, their brand is the way it is. So um, there's a lot of companies out there for sure that are doing an incredible job. Right. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. My daughter works for Chick-fil-A and uh, I secretly placed her there to, to mm-hmm. pick her brain on what I can do better in my business. <laughs> oh, it's um, they do an incredible job. I mean, I don't think I've ever gone there and had a bad experience to where someone's not polite. Um, and they've trained their people incredibly and they have incredible systems and processes and that's why they, they have success today. So, I mean, from like a customer service standpoint, they're definitely someone that, you know, management companies in the hospitality business can look into. Oh my God. Almost, almost. And I could be wrong, but almost. And the food's good. So food's great. Yeah. Mm. Almost every Chick-fil-A here in Jacksonville has car lines around the corner. Every day. Uh, Mm -hmm. all, all throughout the day too. Mm-hmm. So if like from open to close, like I've, I don't, I can't remember it's, except for Sunday. I can't, I can't remember going by Chick-fil-A where the, the car line is not wrapped around the building. Uh-huh. Yep. They're it's a good insane. example of hospitality for sure. Yep. 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 I'm more of a McDonald's guy. That's because you don't want to wait on car line. No, I, I, <laughs> Quick and easy. I, I like the, the disrespect sometimes, you know, like it humbles I, you can out I add this? Sorry. I already processed your order. <laughs> come to the window. I'm like, I just want to, and I'll come to the order. Like, it, oh, I like this guy. It's Ooh. funny. Be, they have restaurants out there that people go for yeah. and they purposefully give bad service. Mm-hmm. And I think I've seen those. Yeah. Yeah. And they mimic themselves after McDonald's. That's how I'm going to model my Airbnb. Um, McDonald's. My my short term rental uh, property management company. Purposefully bad Purposefully, management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. That's a new twist on things. It so, could be a thing. So that's exciting, man. So forty doors. You got another twenty on the way. Um, I have I have maybe a little uh, deep question, but how do you plan on scaling while staying small? That is a good question. Because you mentioned um, a lot the um, small by design, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I hear that, but I also hear you're scaling. You want to grow. You want to do way more deals. You want to manage more properties. You want to mm-hmm. get into multifamilies. Um, so how how are you going to scale while having that small mom and pop approach? Yeah, for sure. That's um, you know, that's a very fine line. You know, because a lot of times whenever you build a brand, you're going to have opportunities come your way. 
Um, but I think that we will never, you know, be that company that has hundreds of units. That's just not the business we want to get in. Um, gotcha. We want to we want to have the the personal touches. We want to be able to go to the properties and solve the issues as the owners. Mm. Um, you know, our our real goal is we just want to build a cool brand, you know, and and right. give people really good experiences. You know, we want to you know kind of build a brand in Jacksonville that people are, are proud of and people know. Um, you know, we want to have incredible team members as well. I mean, we have plans, you know, in 2022 to hire several more people, um, and kind of give them opportunities and teach them this space. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, there's a very fine line between, you know, scaling and, you know, keeping your, your business kind of boutique. Cause I think when you get to that point to when you're, you're over hundreds of units, you, you lose that personal touch. Yeah. Um, and it becomes very, very corporate. And um, we kind of lose or we would lose that that value of us being very personal, you know, us being in group chats with our owners, you know, us going to the properties, you know, us being able to to train our team members and give them opportunities. So that's a fine line. I think we'll we'll get to a certain number where we think, you know, it's enough and and we need to build internally. And then, you know, maybe we buy more properties for ourselves and, you know, put the management on hold with the clients that we do have. Um, but we're still in the process of, of growing, but that's a, a good problem to have. So we'll cross yeah, that road, yeah. road whenever we get there. Oh, that's awesome. So everybody watching, make sure you, uh, have, give them your properties now before they stop accepting new clients. Right? Yeah. And I think that happens with every management company, you know, especially the boutique ones, they get to a size to where, <laughs> you know, they, they don't take on clients anymore. And, yeah, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have clients and owners who, who sell their properties. Um, or right. who want to do something different with their properties. And it happens. That's just business. Right. Um, our whole goal is to, you know, serve the clients we have as much as possible and nope. just bring them value every single day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, uh, <clears throat> and it, I don't know if you see any kind of trends of what the numbers look like, but do you uh, have any idea of what that percentage is of the portfolio that sells off? Is it like that, you know, every year five or 10% is going to turn over? That's a really good question. I think that's, you know, that's something we're still still learning. So we've been building Joseph Ellen properties for two years. So we're still young in nature. Um, right. And we admit that and we know we have a lot of things to improve on and, and continue to give guests a good experience. Um, but, you know, stuff happens. I mean, we've we've had owners that we've worked with. They want to sell their properties. Um, so management kind of stops there. I mean, other situations happen in people's personal lives. So to give you a direct answer on, you know, kind of our churn rate, and, and the clients that do cancel and turn over, you know, I don't think we've been in the business long enough to, to kind of experience that. Um, mm -hmm. We've kind of been in growth phase the past two years, and we've done a good job of retaining the clients we have. Oh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So the name of the company is Joseph Ellen Properties. Um, can you tell us how, what, what that name means and how you came up with it? Yeah, absolutely, man. So it's, um, it's Melody and myself's middle name. So she's my, my better half. She, um, you know, honestly, she holds a lot of the business together. Um, so I kind of see myself as, you know, the vision with crazy ideas. Oh, I she's actually, loader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm mooching off of her, but she, um, nice. you know, she does an incredible job of, of kind of holding the business together and, and putting some of the plans I have in place and making sure the, the stuff happens. So, um, we wouldn't be close to where we are without her, but it's just our, our middle names put together. Yep. That's so cool. What's your middle yep. name, Jay? My middle name? Yes. Uh, we can't really make it into a business name. It's Alonso. 
So Paul, Paul Alonso Properties. Paul Alonso um, Properties. My middle name is Paul. It works. I like it. it or it might have to be Alonso Paul. That's right. kind of more uh, modern. Mm. Hey, so a guy named Shimmy is watching. What's up, Shimmy? Shimmy Mayer. Uh, he said, Andrew helped me with figuring out a price. So that's awesome, man. Shimmy, what's up? I talked to him today, actually. Nice. Awesome, man. Yeah, man. So I um, And, you know, any agents that need help, um, I'm having conversations with agents every single day. So like I mentioned, we have we have one guy we use for acquisitions. So if someone wants to buy short-term rentals, reach out to Alan Williams, and I hope he gets, you know, a ton of messages tonight. Um, but I love helping agents. And I think, I think this is such a missing niche for agents to dive into. He's probably... He's probably sold 10 to 12 properties in the past 90 days just from clients coming to our website. So we love building those relationships. Um, and I think one misconception with, you know, agents working with short-term rentals is you kind of think that, you know, agents don't want to work with investors just because they're buying, you know, $60,000 properties. A lot of the properties that, you know, we kind of help with acquisitions, they're 250 to a million. So agents right. are doing very well. So I would definitely tap into that niche. We're more than happy to help and help you underwrite properties. Oh, that's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. um, is that part of your growth too, is like help, growing a, a little real estate team as well? That's something that, um, you know, that's something that we've thought about um, okay. just because we do help so much <clears throat> with acquisitions. That right. might be something that, that's going to be in the, the Q3, Q4 plan as we're kind of mapping out 2023. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's another way to kind of bring value to to our clients. So there's a lot of ideas we've been kind of stirring around to uh, to bring more services to our business for sure. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I'd love to connect with um, with the realtor, Alan, because um, yeah. you know, we wholesale deals. So not, you know, not everything that we get on our list would be, you know, would fit that Airbnb caliber. Um, but, you know, some of these are decent Airbnb properties. We've sold a lot of the properties to um, a lot of the local Airbnb buyers. Yeah. We, we've sold a decent amount of properties to them. So I'd love to connect with him and, you know, maybe he can help us sell some of our inventory as well. And then Absolutely, you guys get to man. manage the back end. I love connecting people. I think, um, you know, people's the number one way that you can scale any type of business. So the more people you can kind of bring together, you know, the more stuff's going to happen for everybody. Yeah. Awesome, okay. man. So um, we're, we're getting, Andrew, we're getting close to the tail end of this thing. So if they do want to reach out to you, how do they find you? Yeah. So, you know, people can just go to our website. It's josephellenproperties.com. Um, feel free to, to email me. It's Andrew at josephellenproperties.com. Um, I'm more than happy to have conversations. I'm more than happy to, to help people underwrite properties and kind of tell them what neighborhoods they should be going into, what neighborhoods should they shouldn't be going into. Um, I love having those conversations. So please reach out. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, also, uh, your investors, are they currently buying also? Should they send you properties as well? Yes, they are buying. Um, so we probably have anywhere from eight to 10 current clients at a time that are looking for more properties at the beach, downtown, um, anywhere. So if anyone has a property that's, you know, either a underperforming short-term rental, you know, we can kind of come in and turn the asset over. Um, or if they have a property at the beach or somewhere downtown to where they're just looking to sell, you know, we would love to take it off their hands and, and make it a, a successful vacation rental. Gotcha. And can we get that email address one more time? 
Yeah, so it's Andrew at josephellenproperties.com. Awesome. Perfect. Cool, man. Well, thanks again for doing this. Um, I always learn a lot from doing these things, but this tonight in particular, we just have a big interest in this stuff. We're just yeah, getting sure. into it, you know, so it's it's always awesome to hear from somebody um, with front hand experience mm -hmm. on managing. You know, we, we know a lot of investors that own Airbnbs, but a lot of them have other people managing those Airbnbs. Mm -hmm. um, so it's cool to pick the brain from the people actually managing the uh, the day to day operations. Um, so thanks again for doing this, man. Hopefully, you know, this brings a ton of business your way. Um, you know, I, I, I advise everybody to especially like I think it's easier for people to get into this yep. if they already have a rental portfolio. Mm -hmm. Right. Hey, if you have a, a small rental portfolio, you have 10 units. Hey, try one out as an Airbnb. You're, you know, I mean, it's it's probably going to do just as well. Right. Mm -hmm. At least. And then from what everybody's saying, they do better. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, I think anybody watching that is thinking about getting into Airbnbs, just know that there are decent, really good Airbnb property managers out there, short term rental managers out there that'll manage the whole thing for you, help you furnish it, figure all the pricing out and all that, make it a hands off experience. And you get the benefit of the the multiple of the revenue that comes in um so anybody watching you know who's on the fence about getting into this reach out reach out to andrew right pick mm -hmm. his brain um ask more questions what can i expect on this what can i expect on that i just know that there's a big wave right now of of people getting into the airbnb uh realm the short-term rental realm mm -hmm. and it will get saturated right eventually yep. you know just like everything Will there always be room? Of course, right? But right now, I feel like it's it's on that rise of more and more people getting in. Um, and next thing you know, it you know, STRs will be the new norm of, of, of buying rentals. And get in now while it's still kind of an unknown thing. And some people are like, ah, I don't want to mess with it. What if the property doesn't stay rented out? You know, what if what if I don't have a good occupancy rate and it's empty the whole month? You know, what do I do? It's like, ah. You know, just call yep. in. He'll he'll, you know, walk you through it and, and and help you figure it out. So thanks again, man, and thank you everybody for for tuning in. You guys know we bring the heat every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. We will be live next week at 9 p.m. Eastern. Guys, I'm G. And I'm Dom. And this is the Cash Network. Network. Peace. Thanks, thanks guys. Peace.